I also think that the cream will rise to the top in the sense that a lot of people opened up boutique fitness centers who are passionate about fitness, but didn't necessarily have a strong background or didn't really know why they're doing it. They just want, they like to work out. Those people are on the fringe. They're, they're probably going to use this as an opportunity to kind of probably get out. Welcome to the Bar Band Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by Barband.com. Today, I'm talking to CrossFit Games legend Jason Kalipa. In 2008, Jason burst onto the fitness scene by winning the second ever CrossFit Games in dramatic fashion. In the decade following, he established himself as one of the most consistent athletes in the sport with multiple podium finishes and fan favorite performances. Jason is also the founder and CEO of NC Fit, a company that operates its own gym locations, corporate wellness spaces on multiple continents, and digital platforms for both coaches and clients looking to get into better shape. Our conversation today focuses on the impact COVID-19 is having on the fitness space and which types of gyms, companies, and training methodologies will survive the pandemic. In addition, we talk about gym reopening timelines and fitness in an age of social distancing. Jason also brings his perspective as the parent of an immunocompromised child, his daughter Ava having successfully battled leukemia several years ago. Also, I want to take a second to say we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbend podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. Jason Kalipa, thanks so much for taking the time uh, to join me today. There's a lot going on in the fitness world. I know that you're someone who maybe rose to prominence through the CrossFit community, but you have a much broader perspective and you work with athletes and businesses across strength sports and and fitness. So I'm, I'm curious to pick your brain on a few things. First off, I'm curious, how is your business adapting to mandatory gym closures, being based in California? And just to give folks some context, how many brick and mortar facilities do you run? So good question. Well, thanks for having me. Um, we, uh, so we own uh, an organization called NC Fit. And NC Fit um, has three different verticals that build up its business. One is brick and mortar, like commercial gyms open to the public like any other gym. Yeah. Another is corporate wellness, where it's brick and mortar inside a company. Mm-hmm. But we operate it, we run it, everything. And then the third is our digital products, where in our digital realm, we have business to business tools. So all of our session plans, programming, everything that we use for our gyms, we now sell to other gyms, which has grown pretty substantially. And that's one vertical. Then we have another one, which is our app and our um, at-home workouts, et cetera. That's for the end user called NC Fit Plus. So between those verticals, um, we have five open to the public locations. We have like 14, 15 corporate wellness sites and between like Lucasfilm is a partner of ours, Western Digital. Mm-hmm. And then we have um, a, a large um, e-commerce. So when it comes to um, locations we've shut down, we shut down all brick and mortar, including corporate and non-corporate sites, um, effective, whatever it was, March, March and change. So that's nearly, nearly 20, roughly 20 locations that are not, yeah. that don't have people coming in the door right now that have the NC Fit banner. Yeah. So do you, do you have any guess 
as to when you might start rolling those back out or letting folks back in? And does that really, I mean, that's obviously going to depend on what the state of California does, but are you running corporate wellness spaces in, in, in any, you know, essential businesses? Yeah. So they have claimed um, in particular. So our Lucas films, for example, was not uh, our Western digital partnership, for example, in some countries was considered essential mm -hmm. for the product that makes that still doesn't mean that they're going to keep us open. So where it's a little bit weird for us is I think the better way to have the conversation is in particular for our California based brick and mortar gyms. So our corporate wellness locations are in different countries with different rules and different, et cetera. Right. Those are going to open up probably sooner. Like for example, we have a location in Shenzhen, China, and you know, that's going to open up sooner than our one in California mm -hmm. because it hit there earlier. And so when it comes to our locations in California, Oh man, after Gavin Newsom talked about uh, stay at home orders until June 1st, I'm anticipating that our gyms won't be open to the public and at least, and at least something I feel comfortable with until August 1st. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And there's, I was talking to Chris Spieler uh, earlier this week and he really, he brought up that that's an important factor. Just because a gym can open doesn't mean that all gym owners are going to open. And it doesn't mean that all members of their community are going to want to come back at that time. It's extremely individualized. And it's a super slippery slope that every owner needs to take into consideration for themselves. On the one hand, if you open up prematurely, right? You open up, let's just say June 1st, we could open. Boom, we open up. Or let's just take Georgia. Even though Georgia, you technically can't have group training right now. But anyways, let's just say you could open. Well, if the prerequisite to opening is mask on everybody, uh, thermometer at the door, uh, temperature at the door, and cleaning in between classes. Let's just say those three, right? Well, you could provide the mask, you could provide the cleaning, you could provide the therm thermometer, like the analysis. But what does that do for a customer that was used to a certain experience? So people right. came into our gym for the best hour of their day. They came in for the community, came in for literally to have fun. Like mm -hmm. we needed them to have fun, get in a good workout and learn something new. Those were always our three things. When you walk into an area and you're getting your temperature taken, wearing a mask and all the staff is wearing a mask. I don't know if that vibe is going to create a culture where they're going to want to come back mm -hmm. or they're just going to say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and stay at home for another month. And I'm worried that if you open too early, you may turn those people off and they may never come back again. Mm -hmm. Now, if you also open up too late and let's just say you could open up June 1st, and you decide to open up, I don't know, whatever, that could also be a challenging. But for us at NC Fit, once we get the green light to open, regardless of the scope of it, we're still going to probably push it out a month and clearly communicate with our members our five-step plan to keep them safe and this and that, and really look at it as a re-grand opening and not just fizzle in, but actually kind of grow. That makes a lot of sense. You, you, have, uh, you have one location in China, one corporate wellness location? We have, yeah, we have a location in China, Thailand, uh, you know, uh, three in Malaysia, Japan. Uh, right. Yeah, several all over the world. Was that, was that presence in Asia and specifically China something that might have given you a little bit more heads up as a business owner that, hey, this is something coming. This is something that could potentially be very impactful. Or were you all kind of hit with this at the same time as other businesses in the United States? I think we were all pretty much hit with it at the same time because for us, we saw it kind of brewing. I was actually in Thailand in December mm. and you see things brewing in conversations, but it wasn't a big deal specifically back in the United States. And then for us, you know, we saw it kind of heating up and I was really in a moral um, ethical dilemma for about maybe a week. I was, I was having a tough time. 
Because on the one hand, I want to keep our members safe. On the other hand, I, I didn't want to place my preconceived notions on when to shut down. Mm -hmm. Because once we start putting my opinion on the business, then when is it going to be safe for us to reopen? Right. And so instead, we chose to go off state and federal mandated on when to close because that's a clear third-party, unbiased, CDC-based, whatever. And then when we're ready to reopen, we can use that same indicator as, as, our, as our goal. You know, I think for those people that close prematurely, well, does that mean you, you're going to potentially open prematurely? I, I don't know how that works. Jason, you're not a qualified and educated epidemiologist among your many I, accomplishments. I am not. I am not. And so I think that's really important for us is that NC Fit, and this is something I talk to gym owners about all the time, you know, look, I might be the founder, I might be the CEO, but I am not NC Fit. NC Fit is a third-party entity. It's a corporation, and it relies on you know data and whatever to to place it forward. the The personal responsibility might be different, and I need to keep them apart. Something we were chatting about a little bit before we actually started recording were some of the broader implications throughout the fitness industry. So not just functional fitness, not just corporate wellness under the NC Fit model, but how it might impact fitness training in general. I know that's something you're very passionate about and something you've spent a lot of the past you know, decade and a half really fine-tuning both from your own perspective and the people you work with every day. What impact do you think this might have long-term on the business of personal training and coaching? I think for boutique fitness centers. So let's unpack this. There's a lot to unpack here. The first thing is the consumer behavior is going to shift for a while. You know, it's going to, like, for example, you're in New York. It's going to take you a while from grocery shopping at midnight with a mask on and gloves to walking into a training facility. It's yeah. just going to take you out. Even if tomorrow you technically could, would you, right? And so I think what's important to recognize is that this is going to go out for a while and it's going to dramatically impact several businesses. Ones that I think are at pretty high risk from a brick and mortar perspective, take like a Soul Cycle and Orange Theory, F45. They base their model off X amount of people and X amount of square feet. And that's how they created their profitability, right? Mm -hmm. That was just the way they did it. And over the years, that's what we shifted towards. When we first opened, we were in a bigger warehouse, bigger spaces, and we used to go off 100 square feet per every member. SoulCycle probably goes off, I don't know, 10 square feet per every member. It's, it's not 100. <laughs> it's it's less. not 100. So for those companies to pivot to have social distancing is going to be very challenging. Because at one point, they're just going to say, hey, to pay this rent to do these things, it's just not even worth it. We can't accommodate enough people in the space to, to pay our bills. Whereas in the CrossFit space, or even you say like boutique strength and conditioning in general, they're typically larger locations. They typically have more space. And so I do think we have a leg up in that sense because we're going to be able to socially distance people a little bit better. Mm -hmm. That all being said, this is going to take a while. And so businesses, I hope, have shifted and pivoted towards digital. And when they did, there's some pros and cons. Zoom is cool, but people only put up with Zoom for so long, right? They're... they're you can't coach that effectively. You can a little bit, you can, but with CrossFit and with strength conditioning, it's tough, man. It really is from a live class perspective, internet going out delays. Those things are amateur. And after months, your members will no longer deal with it, especially paying a premium. So members, people are going to figure that out. But I also think it's going to make people have to step their game up. If you own and operated a gym and you used to just walk in and be like, Hey guys, hope everybody's having a great day. The warmups on the board, the workouts right here. 
I got your clock, let's go. You're probably not going to make it because your business was just kind of probably hanging on by a thread. And now when you're required to really dive deep with your members through text, email, Zoom, Facebook, pre-recorded, you, you probably aren't engaging enough mm-hmm. and the professional coaches will thrive. And the guys who are doing it as hobbyists, I think are going to get stuck and uh, maybe find a different profession. What are some of the things that NC Fit that you all have been doing to pivot or maybe focus more energy in on the digital and, and content front during the shutdown? Yes. I mean, look, I'm not going to say what we did was perfect, but we've been shifting every single week and figuring out what we need to do. When we first shut down, we like immediately, you know, cut expenses, try to figure out blah, blah, blah. But then we said, okay, we're not going to keep billing our members. Some gyms are, but for our gym size, it just didn't work. We didn't want to keep billing them and have them tell us what they want to do. We told everybody, hey, everybody's put on hold, everybody. So our revenue went from X to zero, right? And then they had to opt in. They have four different options. Option A was they could keep their membership as is. I mean, they could reinstate it and they can get an equipment rental and we will reimburse them for the months that they've, you know, given us when we reopen. So if they paid us for two months while we were closed, we will reimburse them within 120 days of reopening, mm-hmm. as an example. Option B was you drop down to our $40 a month uh, NC Fit Plus membership, which is our digital footprint, which I think is incredible. A lot of people have opted into that. And I would encourage anybody listening that if you're looking for really good strength conditioning, we have a great option, especially with dumbbells called NC Go. And one of the ways we pivoted was we created a program specifically to be done with dumbbells. It's not an in-gym workout that was translated. It was actually designed for dumbbells. Mm -hmm. And we've also pivoted to do follow along. So moving forward, what we've learned is that our demographic in the gym would watch our videos, get inspiration, come in and get coached. This demographic is at home. They need to have someone there the entire time adding value and teaching them. So we've switched to follow along pre-recorded instead of live and live. We're doing live too. So that's option B. Option C is virtual personal training. So people could opt in, you know, X amount of dollars, try and get our coaches paid. And then option, you know, D is they, they just keep their membership on hold. But I think the big, to answer your question, the big shift we made, we relied heavily on our current digital platforms, but we shifted them instead of in gym, we focused on on the go. And one part of that was follow along. Let's talk about the actual programming of sure. fitness and working around restrictions for people working out with minimal equipment. I mean, this is something, obviously you didn't predict coronavirus and COVID-19, but uh, at-home fitness is something I know you've been big on for a long time. I've been following your your EMOM-style uh, workouts and following along with that. Actually, Barbin, we wrote about that, I think, shortly after you started it because it was such an interesting idea, like putting out an EMOM every day for people to do it. A lot of it's adapt. It's very adaptable. It's stuff you could do at home or with minimal equipment. You know, is that something that you've been focused on since you, you retired from competition more and more? And, uh, you know, what do you think that has given you as far as a basis of knowledge coming into programming and working with your coaches here? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, look, for a long time, I've met with the best in their class, powerlifters, Olympic weightlifters, gymnasts, you name it. I've, I've been in the trenches because I've tried to improve for as a CrossFit Games athlete. Right. But once I got out of the sport as much, and when my daughter was sick, I spent a lot of time doing EMOMs, AMRAPs, lighter loads. I just didn't want to load up my body. I wasn't interested in snatching 300 pounds anymore. It just wasn't exciting for me. Mm-hmm. And so I started putting out EMOM of the day just for fun. 
Then I wrote a book called As Many Reps as Possible. So I pivoted the name on Instagram from Imam the Day to Amrap Mentality, mm-hmm. which was a good kind of shift. It's a good brand. Good brand. Yeah. Then as of recently, um, I recognize that we do want to, you know, support people who are on the go or at home. And so we've shifted it to NC Fit Plus. So our business is NC Fit Plus, which is all of our on-the-go workouts, which has been in place for years and years. We just never really focused on it because we're really focused on brick and mortar gyms. Mm-hmm. But now we're taking the experiences, what we've learned in the gym, and we're taking it to people at home. And that's the way I've been training for a long time. It's just we never really pushed it because we had our in-gym products. Mm-hmm. Now we're just using what I've been using for a long time, just sharing with other people. And yeah. You know what I mean? What is your training looking like these days? It's, you know, um, right this minute, heavily dumbbell focused. I do a, a, a warm up, a strength piece that could be front squats, that could be heavy, whatever, right? Tempo front squats. And then it's a 15 to 20 minute Metcon of some type. And then a little bit of mobility we're rolling out through a collaboration with the Ready State and Kelly Starrett. Yeah. And I'm done, you know, and, 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 you know, eat real food and, and train really hard through those EMOMs, AMRAPs, and, and you're going to be pretty darn fit. You're someone I know who travels around a lot. We've crossed paths just literally on the road a few times. I don't think we've ever actually seen each other in person in the city where either of us actually live, which is kind of kind of funny now that I think about it. Uh, how has adapting to being at home all the time with the family, I mean, that brings a lot of benefits, but at the same time for a business person, someone who's used to moving around a lot like you are, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, hey, it's, it's a little bit challenging actually to spend all day with the family. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, um, I'm still, I still go to the gym and film some videos. So I have some time to myself there. Um, but it's a big change for sure. I mean, I would say without exaggeration for the last year, at least, because we are opening some new locations in Southern California, I've been on an airplane, uh, on average once a week. Mm -hmm. Right. And so to go from being on an airplane once a week, even traveling locally, right? Just kind of down for an hour and now being home, it's a big change for my family and I, because we travel and going out to eat was a big part of our culture, like our family culture. But now we've shifted that. Like this morning, I got up really early. I took my son fishing because we're just finding things to do locally and embracing more family time. So it's been, it's been very rewarding, but at the same time, it's been, we needed to recognize where the boundaries are. If my wife wants to go upstairs and go do her thing, I, I don't need to go sit next to her. Like we need to give our, our space as well as, you know, but I think our background is a little bit different because we spent a lot of time in the hospital for a lot of years. So we learned how to kind of like get along in very small, um, you know, confined space. Now, are you still, are you at all, you know, a, a spe- still connected with um, the medical professionals who oversaw your daughter's care when she was, when she was sick years ago? Yeah. Yeah. So what happens with leukemia is my daughter's treatment was two and a half years long, which mm-hmm. is pretty long. But yeah. then after that, you go back once a month for blood work. And then after a year, you go once every two months. And after two years, you go once every three months. And then once every blah, blah, blah. Until you hit five years, then you go back once a year and you're considered cured. So we go back there at this point, we go every uh, two months. And what kind of uh, stress have you been, you know, hearing from those medical professionals or, or, or seeing in, in your visits? Is it, it's obviously, you know, not the emergency room. It's a specialized ward, but is it, um, you know, are you seeing that impact or feeling that impact of, as the father of um, someone who might be immunocompromised? Yeah. I mean, yeah, 
Um, it's more so the impact on like who could go in the hospital mm. and how they treat people. Right. So when Ava goes in for blood work, you could, it just is her, there's certain regulations and then one parent, that's it. Right. And that's for pediatrics. No other child is allowed in unless the patient and then no other family right now. Um, you know, in oncology, which is for all the cancer patients, it was always pretty crowded, but they always made it work. Um, but, but they're being overly sensitive, which they should be to just make sure that they limit the amount of people going in. That's, that's the big change that I've seen. It's not so much like you see more oncology patients. It's like, you know what I mean? Like right. the, the amount of patients is the same. It's just the precautions are different. Mm-hmm. I should, I should ask, how's your daughter feeling these days? How's she doing? Oh yeah. Really good. Yeah. We're, we're super, super grateful. I and mean, we've had our fair shares of uh, ups and downs. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been, it's, uh, as of right now, we're good. Awesome. Well, besides being maybe a little more cooped up than normal, besides crawling up the walls, like all kids up and, you know, and, and the uncertainty of the business, right. is really challenging. And, and also for me, the uncertainty of where other businesses will lie. Mm. You know, for us, we've been really grateful that we have corporate partners. We have digital footprint. We have these diversified revenue streams where I get really anxious about is I live in uh, a town called Los Gatos. I walk downtown and I'm worried that more than half the restaurants and businesses are going to be out of business. I'm trying to support them as much as I can, but I'm, I'm worried when we come out of this, how many are going to be able to um, sustain. And the longer it goes, the more challenging it is. But I also think that the cream will rise to the top in the sense that a lot of people opened up boutique fitness centers who are passionate about fitness, but didn't necessarily have a strong background or didn't really know why they're doing it. They just want, they like to work out. Those people are on the fringe. They're, they're probably going to use this as an opportunity to kind of probably get out. Mm-hmm. What are some other businesses in the wellness space that you think may come out of this uh, stronger or that you think are well-prepared to kind of weather the storm? Well, obviously like, you know, working against gravity, any type of digital mm-hmm. models that are done well, Peloton is going to crush, right? Yeah. They already because, are. They're doing, they're doing crazy volume right now. Of course. Right. Because they, they have a really good product. They've marketed it well and it's, and it's great timing for it. And so I think the people that are going to win are going to be the people that could get a really good product in the hands of consumers at home. And I think that other people are going to win are people who, when we reopen, shift their business model and can sustain right now. So if you're, okay, if you have 20 gyms in your network, like within a two mile radius in, in Brooklyn, let's just say, right? The ones that really hunkered down, made the right business decisions, um, had a strong business beforehand they're going to be able to come out of this. And I imagine there's going to be about 30 to 40% attrition in your area. So even though I think the numbers when we come out are going to be a little bit lower from members who aren't ready to come back just yet, I do think other gyms closing are going to help the strong get even stronger. That, that, that makes sense. I want to shift just a little bit. And this is something we were also talking about before the recording. And sure. that's the future of strength competition. We were not only talking about CrossFit competition, but we were talking about weightlifting, the Olympics being postponed, postponed powerlifting, strongman. What impact do you think long-term this might have on strength competition? We can start with the CrossFit games or you know, we can expand that to talk about other events, things you might normally see like the World's Strongest Man, also postponed. The Olympics, also postponed. It's really tough. It is tough because live events were part of the framework and foundation that built the sport of fitness, right? Mm-hmm. CrossFit Games in particular. Yeah. It was the sanctionals early on, then regionals. Then, so it started off online, open. 
but that was with the goal of getting to this in-person event. People are inspired to get in-person, be on the floor. Right. I'll never forget being on the tennis stadium with 20,000 people. It was electrifying, right? Mm-hmm. And whether you're there at Wadapalooza, there's something about getting to this place where other people can support you and, and elevate you and, and you could put on a show for other people that's inspiring. I'm worried that without live events in CrossFit, you're going to see some of the excitement of competing start to dwindle a little bit if it's just online. I, I don't know if it's the same energy. And I'm also worried. Um, th- that's my big, my big concern is that live events need to come back for the sport of CrossFit to continue to thrive, I, I think. It's it's not just the fact that the open is online. It, it's not just competing online that makes that so appealing. It's throwing down in your local box, right? How many how many CrossFit boxes have Friday night lights during right. the open? I mean, right. I, I heard a lot of complaints when they had two CrossFit opens last year from people covering the sport, but I heard nothing but joy from people who were doing the open at their boxes because that was more opportunities to go do, you know, throw down on Friday evening or Saturday morning or whenever people did the open workouts with their friends. Yeah. Now if you watch the online qualifiers that are a little bit different right now. Like they had a master's one, I think mm-hmm. it, it just didn't seem to get the same type of buzz because you don't have it in the gym, the excitement, you know, like right. a lot of our members would do Friday night lights. They didn't care at all about the games to your point, right? These live events, they just want to be in live. You know, we do, um, we had a fitness competition at uh, Western digital right before this all happened or actually like right as it was happening. Um, but before any closures and these, you know, corporate employees, they haven't competed in anything physical in their entire life, some of them. So when they go out there and they're doing burpees against somebody else, something happens to them. And when they achieve success or whatnot, there's something really powerful about that, about putting yourself out there, having this win-loss, but also just like the energy that is created. These people competing in their first physical event was like un- another. But if you were doing that at home by yourself, I don't know if it would have the same impact. Well, you doing thrusters in front of 20,000 people at the tennis stadium, you know, you get a, 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 just a taste of what that feels like doing thrusters in your local box with 20 people cheering you on. There's, there's this adrenaline rush there that you get with live events. And it doesn't matter if you're trying to be the fittest in the world or you're just trying to beat your old score. There's that, that, that flavor that we don't get here. That's shared suffering. That's why, you know, we're really shifting to the follow along because mm-hmm. I do follow along. I have a few of them already on my YouTube which they're getting better. Actually, if you watch each one of them, there's four of them so far, they're getting better each week in terms of like quality and stuff like that. But the follow along is nice. Cause like you feel like you're sharing that suffering with yeah. this other person. What would you like to see from the CrossFit games this year? Now, as of this recording, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like. And I look like, and I, I won't ask you to speculate or to guess. Um, but Basically, CrossFit has said there's going to be some form of the games. We don't know if that's going to be remote. Um, there's been speculation, and they've mentioned that it could be back in, you know, back at the ranch in California, which is a, a place probably too familiar to you at this point. What format would you like to see the games take this year, assuming there's some version of it? Great question. You know, there's been a lot of changes in the games over the years. One of the things that I always used to love is when you, you dwindled it down to the top 10, top 20. The, 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 there's a big gap between the top 20 in CrossFit Games and the rest. And there's a big gap between 50 and these 200 people that represent their countries now this last year. I mean, a huge gap, right? You're going to have hundreds and hundreds of people go to the ranch and get cut 
in one event, right? So if you can't hold an event with 500 people, because you probably can't in California, it's going to be a big issue. My recommendation would be, you know, take the top 20 from last year's games or call it the open, take the top 15, take the top 10 and do an epic event with just 10 people. I think you could, because at the end of the day, yeah, is there some people that sneak in, but the cream always rises to the top. So if you're top 10 in the open or top 10 the games, they find some way of doing it. Top 20 would probably be a better example. I think you'll get a good sample size of uh, people who can go out there and do some damage. And event organizers, they have to be looking not only months ahead, but potentially even years ahead, right? I mean, you're talking next year, the CrossFit Games 2021 rolls around. Is there really going to be an event with thousands of people and a giant fitness festival in Madison, Wisconsin? I mean, maybe the games will be there. Maybe they'll have spectators. But you have to imagine that until there's a vaccine out and until we have this under control, people are going to be a little more hesitant to attend this just like crazy extravaganza where everyone's crowded in and celebrating fitness. Yeah, you, 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 you'd you think, but, you know, people will get back to normal. Hmm. You know, this is information that, this is something I could share with you that maybe some other people can't on when our daughter was really going through heavy chemo, right? Heavy chemo for about a year and a half. It was like pretty heavy and we were super, we were, we were pretty, we were as careful as you probably should be, right? Like if, mm-hmm. if, if, you know, someone's kid had this, they would probably be doing the exact same thing. We, we didn't think we were overly, whatever we're talking, you know, Hey, look, if someone wants to come into our house and they, they feel sick or whatever, they're not coming in right. when they came in. If you, whatever, you're wearing a mask or, you know, you're washing your hands as soon as you walk in, you're taking your shoes off, you're doing certain things. It was almost like social distancing back then, right? Mm-hmm. We'd go to a restaurant, we'd clean off the whole thing with Clorox, we'd, whatever. It took us a while to get out of that, like kind of compulsive behavior when anywhere we went, we we're like, Hey, don't, do, you know, it took us about six months to a year to really get out of that habit. Hmm. And so that's what I think is going to happen. So for us, we lived it for a year and a half and it took us about another year to get out of it, to not be quite so uptight. I think if you're in it for about three to four months, it'll probably take you another six months to get out of it. Did you find your, did you and your wife find yourself falling back into those habits pretty quickly when social distancing became the norm? Um, yeah, I mean, we already had a lot of the, you know, like the N95 masks on stuff. We're very familiar with it. So it wasn't like that weird for me. Um, where it gets tough is like, you know, it just, there's a lot of uncertainty in the coronavirus. Whereas with chemo, like there's a lot of, okay, this is what it is. She's immune compromised. Basically, if you're sick, stay away. And if her, she's neutropenic, which means her, anyways, if she's neutropenic, which means that her ANC or her blood counts are low, we need to be overly careful. That was pretty black and white. With coronavirus, like, dude, is it on surface for an hour, five hours, two, two days? Should I be Cloroxing my bags? Should I be wearing a mask? Does a mask even help? If I'm in a room with someone, does it even stay in the air? There's so much uncertainty. That's what kind of gets us a little bit more anxious, mm-hmm. I think, than anything. And I'm sure that that's anxiety. I think we're all we're all sharing. So you all are certainly not alone there, um, Jason. Those are kind of all of the topics I wanted to make sure we cover today. Is there anything else could be related to the fitness industry? Could be related to competition, or you know, just from a business perspective, as someone who has active fitness businesses and is really trying to, you know, sail these uncharted waters. Anything else you'd like to share with our our listeners? Well, I mean, I think if you're a business owner right now, it's kind of like the wild wild west. Um, you have an opportunity right now to create your path and whatever that path is, you have an opportunity to, to do it. Like 
if you saw yourself doing a different career, okay, right now is a great time to make that shift. If you saw yourself, you know, getting out of a location and moving another one, right now is a great time. Like right now is a really great time to identify where you want to go, why you want to go there, what team you want on board, get them on board and let's go. And that's one of the benefits of this. It's almost like an opportunity to level set. Is it sad and, and whatever? Sure. But it's a really good opportunity to evaluate your business, create the plan and execute on it. And I think that's something we always need to remember because through this adversity in these challenging times, you know, I think you can learn a lot about yourself, your team and where you want to get to. So that's, that's the exciting side of all of this. Um, not to mention, you know, if you're a gym owner out there, you want to see what we have going on. Obviously we'd love for you to check out the NC Fit Collective. If you're an athlete at home looking for great follow along workouts and just great workouts, it's the NC Fit Plus. It's app based, but you could visit us. I'll, I'll send you the links. And um, if you're looking for a good read, you can check out the book, as many reps as possible, and let me know what you think. <laughs> and we'll include all those links in the description that goes along with this video and the accompanying article. Jason, thanks for ending on, uh, on some real positivity there. I think we could all get a lot out of that, and I really appreciate your time. All right, brother. Have a great day.